So we're talking about um, just, John was talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I just really wanted to share more about moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, specifically the words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and, and a little bit about prophecy, but mostly words of wisdom and knowledge. Um, and just talking through some of the practicals that I've learned over the years about some of that. Um, and I want to hear from you guys some things, you know, ways that you hear from God. And we did last week, we talked about hearing from God. And your homework was to make a space to grow in your ability to hear God's voice this week. Um, did anybody try something new to hear from God, journaling or setting aside a specific? See, I got all excited. Becky was, she's messing with that. I thought she was raising her hand. It's all right. It's all right. Anybody have a, let me say it this way. Does anybody have an encouraging story they'd like to share about hearing from God this week? No. Okay. So guess what your homework will be this week? No. You guys know what homework is? Do you know? No. I love giving homework. I don't know. I just feel like it's what we should do. Now go do something with this. Well, tonight I want to talk... I guess, I don't know, it's one big, it all makes sense in my head. But I want to talk about identity, but I think we're going to talk a little bit more first about hearing from God. Um, So, um, oh, I wanted to share this. Here's my encouraging thing from the week. One thing that popped up in my head, you guys good? I will focus, I promise. Like, I forgot to put real shoes on, so if that's any indicator, this is going to be a good night. I show up, I'm like, I'm wearing my flip-flops. That's awesome. At least they weren't my slippers, gay. All right. You know, one of the th- one of the things I want to encourage us in is sometimes we, I think we hear God more than we realize. And one of the things I've started doing, you know, I've been coming to morning prayer here for a couple years, a little more than a couple years, um, just our Wednesday morning prayer. And sometimes we will pray you know, we won't have seen somebody for a while or, you know, families kind of, we know they're going through something and they, they just haven't been able to get to church. And we pray specifically like, God, you know, really draw them back in and, and, and send people across their path to just love on them and say, we miss you. And, or, or there's things we've know about people that, um, we pray for you guys. This should be encouraging. Um, and you can come pray for you guys too. But, Sometimes we'll know that somebody's kind of struggling with something, you know, an attitude or thoughts or a family relational thing. And sometimes we'll be really specific and pray for those things in people's lives. And I love it because, you know, I get to see, wow, we prayed over so-and-so and and that thing they were struggling with. And then, I kid you not, every time, and maybe God's just trying to encourage me, within weeks, we hear a testimony about, wow, God really changed how I think in this area or something. So my what I want to encourage you in as you are learning to hear from God is that sometimes people just pop into my head, just be laying in bed or doing the dishes or whatever. That's where God talks to me when I'm actually still and alone. But uh, they'll just pop into my mind. I'll go, huh, I wonder how they're doing with that thing. And instead of just thinking, I turn that into a prayer because I've seen the power of saying, wow, God, you, I think you have highlighted this person to me. I'm not just, you know, me. and even if, even if it was a random thought that popped into your head, you can pray for them. It's not going to be bad, and it's still going to be powerful and effective, so just do it. But I think a lot of times God is speaking to us, and somebody comes to mind or a situation comes to mind. Take Again, take that thought captive, like we talked about last week. Take it and, and really pay attention and go, huh, I wonder why so-and-so popped into my head today. 
might as well pray for them. And God, what do you want me to speak out over their life and, and, and pray over them right now? So that is so simple, right? How many of you have had somebody pop into your head at some time in your life and you're like, huh, wonder why I'm thinking about them? Okay, most of us. Okay, thank you. Feedback. You guys are great. So I just wanted to encourage you with that. It's just one more way that we um, can engage God and where you're already hearing his voice. And even if you're not, if he knows you're going to pray for the people that he starts bringing in front of you, then I have a feeling he will let you pray for more people. I'm sure he's going to be cool with that. So um, so as I just said, we're, we're diving into what it's like to hear from God and hear God for others. That's what these words of wisdom and knowledge are. We hear God for ourselves, but we also hear God for others. And let me give you those definitions again from last week. These are from Sean Boltz's book, God's Secrets, and he has one just before it, and I was trying to remember the name of it, and I'll think of it later if you want to know it. But books by Sean Boltz are great on this topic. He's you know teaching about prophecy and words of wisdom and knowledge, and, and just watching him minister to people. You, you can find YouTube videos out there, but he... He will get phone numbers and middle names and street addresses and things like that. He has just so learned to hear specifics of God's heart for people and to be able to say, hey, does this word or phrase mean anything to anybody? And they're like, yeah, that's my name or that's the street I live on. And it's pretty cool to watch. So these are his definitions, and and they are biblically founded. So um, prophecy, we can define it as a word about the future that shows the plans that God has for someone or a group region or business, etc. Okay, with prophecy, people's affections lie in the fact that God knows them and has plans for them. Knowing God's plans and future for their lives gives people the opportunity to partner with him to actually see those plans fulfilled. Okay, so prophecy is kind of a telling of a future event. Words of wisdom are actual pieces of wisdom that come to us to help us know how to apply our plans. Okay, this is wisdom. Biblical wisdom is always how to apply what you know. So the words of wisdom in this setting is just wisdom that comes to us that we didn't know about before that help us know how to apply our plans and even other prophetic words to our lives. When it is a word, wisdom is like an instruction. Think of it as heaven coaching you on how to plan and pursue who you are or what you're called to or how to love those who are your destiny. Okay, and then a word of knowledge includes supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit about something that is important to God. He says, while not solely discerned, the information includes specific facts that will help bring God's knowledge through a manifest form into your life or into the life of someone you're ministering to and sharing God's heart. And I wanted to highlight, while not solely discerned, sometimes when we're ministering in words of wisdom and knowledge, we, we may know something about something somebody's going through. And an, an example of that would be last week when we practiced this, John had a word for K. I don't even remember what it was, but he already had knowledge, I believe, of some family things you're going through. But he heard God speak wisdom and knowledge into that, into that uh, situation to give her encouragement and strength and, and whatever else that did in her heart. So... A word of, of knowledge can be something, it's probably something you weren't thinking about before, but it's not necessarily totally foreign to you, okay? So he says it's not solely discerned, only discerned from God's heart. Sometimes we are going to know things about situations, but we can partner with God and get his heart and, and pray and speak into that situation too. And just just another reminder, one of the things to to work on and something I, I always try to remind myself because I love 
I think I love, my husband might say differently, I think, you know, I love systems and patterns and things to kind of go the same every day, little routines work well for me, I think, it's just, yeah, like, but that doesn't mean I get up and I exercise at 5 a.m., because that's where I feel like he would, I don't know, my system and routine is to wake up and sit for an hour with my coffee trying to gain consciousness, uh, but that's still a pattern and a routine, but so one of the things I have to work on is we can learn from these testimonies and we can learn about how to hear from God. But remember, this is relational. It is never just a system and a pattern. And if I do ABC and I pray XYZ, then I will get this result, okay? So we can learn from all of these things and all of these different ways that people flow. But the process is relational, okay? We let God love us. We let him show us how much he loves the world, and then we go um, fall in love with what he loves, and we just begin to speak what he's saying and do what he's doing in that moment. And so we can speak that into somebody's life. We can pray that over them. So I want to start today in Romans 12. Uh, I didn't get to it last week. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'm going to read it from three translations. Um, start in the New Living Translation, if you want to turn there. Close your eyes and just soak in the... I, I didn't do King James. But I did three other versions. We can vote on which one you like best after. No. All right, Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the New Living Translation says, So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Okay, I'm just going to keep reading all these, and then we'll talk about them. So Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the Passion Translation says this. I was just geeking out. I, was just, I thought they all brought such a different dimension to this verse that I wanted to read them all. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your, genu- yeah, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. All right, you guys got one more in you? This is the Amplified Classic. It's what I grew up on, so it's what we're doing. Amplified Classic, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, and intelligent service and spiritual worship. I love that it's reasonable and rational to worship God. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed, by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Isn't that good? Here's the gist. The message is really good, too, if you want to go look that up later. I thought three was kind of, you're supposed to do things in odd numbers and when you're decorating, at least. So I'm just going to leave it there. 
message is really good. I bet the King James is really good. Here's the gist. Okay, he's saying, surrender your whole life to God as a living sacrifice. And, and the message does say, you're every day eating, drinking, working, walking around, ordinary life. Surrender this to God. That is an act of worship. Okay, pursue the things that please God, walking in his holiness. And then it says, renew your mind. Allow your thinking about yourself, your life, God, his purposes, everything to be changed by encountering the word. Then it says you will be a person that can know God's heart, his will, his intentions, and his nature and his character. You know, we talked about being able to hear from God last week. We have the ability to, to know his will, his thoughts, his nature, his character, what he's thinking about you, the purposes he has for you. That is amazing. And we need to be able to do that for ourselves. And then, you know, obviously part of our mandate, what we're supposed to do here on the earth is to then do that for others who don't know God and don't know he's good, that we can say, God has good plans for you. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm seeing. We get to partner with God in that way, and that is so beautiful. So it says, you, renew, you allow your thinking to be changed in that way, and I already said this, but you get to be a person that can know God's heart. It starts with being transformed, being in the word of God, being in God's presence, and letting him change the way we think. You know, so perspective is so interesting, and Duncan's so good at seeing kind of all the sides, which causes some arguments. I'm like, I don't care what they think. This is what I think. <laughs> but he's right. And uh, it's so interesting, though, because we have the tendency, right, to see the world how we see the world, and we can think that that's the right way to see the world, and we think everybody else must see the world this way. And if I don't know if you've been on Facebook for more than 30 Point seven seconds, but that's probably a good eye-opener that uh, not everybody actually sees the world the same way. It's pretty, it's pretty divisive, which is sad too. But you get to be a person, as we renew our mind, as we change the way we think, we get to be people that know God's heart, his will, his intentions, and nature. We can recognize what he's doing and saying and participate with him in that, in our own lives and in the lives of the people around us. Um, you know, one of the things I heard, it's, it's, I don't know if terrifying is the right word, it's, it's, it's humbling, is that, you know, God's promises over you aren't automatic. He's got grace, and he's, he's got things he's spoken into your life, maybe through prophecy or something, you, you see it in the word, you know, poverty, God doesn't want you to be poor, broken, and, and sick, but we have to actually partner with the word and partner with him to bring these things to pass. Somebody could speak to you that you're going to be the king of the world, but you're going to have to partner with God to walk out those purposes. They're not just automatic, and you don't just get to sit back and, and wait for him to, to do things in your life. So, so part of it is this. Renew your mind. Think like he thinks. Begin to see the world like he sees the world. And we're all growing in this. I'm, you know, Obviously, I'm not there. And um, if you are, then maybe you should be teaching this, but um, we get to participate in with, with him in that. And in that, we know his will for our life, we, and, and we can hear clearly his heart for those around us. You know, one of the things I loved in the Amplified here was that so that in the very end of the verse, in the ampl- verse 2 in the Amplified, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, God's will for you and for everybody is good, 
It's pleasing. It's acceptable. Okay? Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. I see people who don't know the nature and the heart of God, that he's good and that he's designed us on purpose and for a purpose. And they're just convinced that God is, if, if they serve God, that he just wants to make them, not wants to make them, but that somehow following God is going to be miserable. Well, he's going to send me somewhere I don't want to go, or he's going to make me do something I don't want to do, or he's going to make me talk to people I don't like. That is not his heart and nature. He, he has designed you. You can resist how he's designed you and be miserable. That's your choice. But he has designed you to function and operate and reach a certain people. But within that, well, I'm way ahead of myself, but be, within that, there is such satisfaction and joy in, in reaching those kind of people. You know, and well, let's stick to the notes. This is exciting. Okay, so that's the gist of that. You, we, we spoke about this some last week. You have the mind of Christ. You do have access to his heart, his will, intentions, plans, nature, character, thoughts, and ways of thinking. In 1 Kings 3.9, some of you are hopefully, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but um, Solomon becomes king of Israel, and he's, he falls asleep worshiping in a temple, uh, and God comes to him and says, you know, ask me, ask me what you desire. Ask me what you want. Yeah, <laughs> how do you? Luckily, in his sleep, he had the right answer, but... He says this, he says, give me an understanding heart. Give me an understanding heart or a heart of wisdom so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. This is NLT again, so maybe a little different. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? That was his heart's cry. And, And what that means is, so that word understanding means to hear, listen, yield, and obey. Give me a heart. How beautiful is that, that we can have a heart that will yield to God's word, that will obey God's word, listen and hear, to discern. So it said uh, that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong, or to discern. It's to know the difference, to perceive, understand, distinguish, and have insight or give attention to. Okay, so he's saying we can have a heart that will hear and pay attention to understand and understand language is kind of the definition there that we can understand the language of okay to yield to and to obey a heart that perceives God's words is able to distinguish them from other voices pays attention to them and has insight into what he's saying and I love that part of the definition is to understand language we get to understand the language of God's heart the nuances and the interpretation of of what he's saying and how he's loving so my prayer would be, in my innermost being, the deepest parts of me, let me hear and understand your heart, God. Okay, and in the Bible, hearing and listening is always obey, or it's always connected to yielding and obeying. You listen and hear and you obey. And you know, if, again, I love that description of, of, of understanding a language because I hear lots of languages sometimes, but I don't um, understand. I understand English. I sort of understood Spanish for a while when I was in property management. I couldn't speak it, but I kind of got the gist of what they were saying. It's interesting how you can, and I knew they knew what I was saying, even though they couldn't speak back to me, but we kind of got it. But um, 
understanding language, um, that we can hear God's heart and what he's speaking to us, like it's a language. I just love that. And again, when we seek God relationally, not just intellectually, we kind of get to learn that language. And, you know, if you have a good friend or a spouse or kids, you kind of get to know the look, right? They have looks. They have body postures and language. If you have a teenager, I'm sure you've got some looks. And, you know, without a word being spoken, you know what is being said loud and clear, right? And this is how, this is the kind of relationship we can have with God where we can sense his joy or pleasure. We can sense sorrow. We can sense what he's in love with or what he's thinking or what he's desiring in a moment. Your, his design for you, his purposes for you, things like that. So I want to play a little game to, I don't know. I just thought this would be fun to kind of get my point across. I'm going to give you some toddler words from either that were mine as a kid I only have one of mine, or my kids, yeah, and you guys can, and Barb's not here, and Duncan's not allowed to play, because he'll win, I think, you'd win, maybe Becky, I don't know, she might know some some Harper words, okay, so I want you guys to see if you can translate these baby words for me, okay, Um, floss it, very good, me, or it's uh, may, and that's me. Me, me, yeah, me. No, nope. she's got mine down. Mine is mine. We're good there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Close. Or it's food. Well, I don't know if it counts as food. Mayonnaise. May, may. It's more may than me. May. Okay, you ready for this one? <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. Is that how I talk? <laughs> Thanks. Banana. Yes. It's the cutest. I'm like, yeah, you can have five bananas. That was cute. Okay, getch. This was mine. My dad always reminds me. Getch. Yeah. Mama in the back row crushing this game. Okay, mashup. No? Something else that's mashed. Mashup. That one is ketchup. Jordan's little friend called it mashup. Uh, milch. Milch. Yep. Bat. 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 That that one's bath. Dat. I just gave that one away. Popo. What? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but it's really awkward when she yells it in front of police officers. I'm like, I'm sorry, we're so disrespectful. Puppy. Popo is puppy. Momo. <laughs> is it? I didn't. That's, she doesn't know Momos. Okay, Momos is water. Momo is water, and I don't know how that happened. Um, I think because we always said, do you want more water? And she said, Momo, for more. And now Jordan calls it Momo, and now water in our house is Momo. These are things you would know if you have kids that speak this language. It's just by being around us. And, you know, if, if I heard these words, sometimes I have to really focus. Like, 
what is the context? What is she pointing at? Is she hungry to understand what blah, blah, blah is <laughs> in this context? That's how, so I know that's a silly game. You guys did fantastic. Elena takes home the gold prize. Um, <laughs> she's raised the most toddlers. So um, this is how it can be. Like we can get to know the nuances and the the heart language of God in this intimate place. And I just love that. I think it's so fun. So I just want to kind of jump over to identity for a few minutes. You know, again, we're talking about renewing your mind and getting to know God's heart and ways and will. Who you are in Christ is revealed as you know Christ. Okay, so there's a, I didn't write it down. Matthew 13, I think, is that where we were Sunday? Where, where Jesus sits his disciples down and says, who do people say that I am? Okay, and they have all kinds of answers. They think you're one of the prophets. They, they, some say you're the Messiah. Some say this and that. And then he looks at him and says, who do you say that I am? And then he turns and Peter says, you're, you're Christ. You're the Messiah. And God says, that was revealed to you from, from my Father in heaven. That was revealed to you. Um, and that revelation brought about, then God, Jesus says, so your name is now Peter. I, you know, he renames him to Peter. And so in knowing, in the revelation of who Christ is, we can catch on to who we are. And we get this glimpse of our identity. And um, so we've got to ask ourselves, you know, who, who is Christ to me? Who is God to me? For me personally, I see him always as the word of God the word of God. And growing up, it was always, God is faithful. He won't let me down. He won't leave my side. He's, he's faithful. And then, you know, as I've grown and gotten to know him more, it's, he is the word of God. So what I, how that comes out of me is all I want to do is tell people how good the word is. And you need to be reading your Bible and getting into the word of God. Does that make sense? He has revealed himself in that way to me. And that's how I can present him to the world. Um, and I don't know what, what pops up in your head. We did this with the middle schoolers Sunday. But they said things like father, healer, comforter. I said the word. Um, seeking the lost, friend and brother, provider. Okay, so these are ways we can interact with God and interact with God's presence. Um, and that builds into us who we are in him. It, it reveals, I guess is a better way to do it. But, you know, we're talking about giving hearing God clearly for ourselves and for others. So when we're not healthy in our identity, the message we give to others can be tainted. And we don't want that. So our identity needs to come from God is good and does only good. God is good and does only good. God is love. And then you're not, you, you are not sinners. You are saints. If you are, if you have made Jesus Lord of your life, you have been washed by his blood and you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we need to re- see ourselves as that. And that doesn't mean we're perfect and that doesn't mean we're flawless, but it means our position is set and who we are is set. So saying, going around saying things like, I'm just, a, just an old sinner saved by, saved by grace, that's true, but you're not a sinner anymore. You were saved by grace and now you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we've got to kind of get these identity things inside of our hearts settled. And, and, you know, in talking about these gifts, as God flows through us in different ways, we need to be careful that we don't allow our identity to get wrapped up in, um, you know, I think I am called to teach the word of God. 
I am teaching the word of God, but I got to tell you, in the last few years, it has been so freeing to be free from that as an identity. My identity is a child of God. I am God's daughter. I am his friend. I am joint heirs with Christ Jesus. And this is just what I do. This is, you know, no kid at Christmas who got a bicycle for Christmas goes out and says, I'm a bike. Okay, these, as God moves through us in these different spiritual gifts or calls us to different things, we've got to be careful that we're not getting our identity wrapped up in that. As, because here's the thing, then it becomes a performance, I think, a lot of times. Then we, then we need to perform that. We need to be that. And then that gets weird because then we start to talk funny and thus saith the Lord, and I am the Lord's prophet. And you, you know, God might call you a prophet, but that's not your identity. Make sense? Does that make sense? We want to be able to speak God's heart to those around us and hear it for ourselves as clearly, as purely, and as faithfully as possible. Faithfully just mean accurately representing God. So we need to know his heart, know his ways. And as we do that, we will get, we, we, he will reveal to us who we are as his kids and what he is calling us to, what purposes he has for us. Let his word transform us. Uh, and completely make us new by transforming the way we think, the way we think about ourselves, the way we think about God, the way we think about other people. And as I've, as I've pursued words of wisdom and knowledge and, and read, you know, Chris Valentin and Sean Boltz and some of these other guys that, that are moving in such powerful ways, like the biggest thing that I have grown in, I won't even say I'm good at, but I'm growing in, is the ability to not be afraid of other people's sin. I, I am God's kid, and I, I can minister to people. I don't have to be afraid of their brokenness or of their sin or of their shame. Of, I don't have to sense their fear and act weird. So I, anyway, so I love that, just being able to be transformed and thinking all, through all of this. Okay, and if you want to turn, turn to Hebrews 4, we're going to hit a couple verses there really quickly. Um, and Hebrews 4 is all about how, it, you know, entering God's rest through hearing. And again, hearing the word and obeying it. Obedience is always tied to belief and faith. Obedience. And remember Solomon's, you know, request, let my innermost being be receptive, attentive, listening, and yielding to your word, to your ways, to your thoughts, God. And think about, you know, what, what boggles my mind is think about Solomon. He was... The, I believe, you have to Google this. <laughs> it's been a while since I looked it up. He was so wealthy. I think he's still considered the wealthiest man, yeah, yeah that ever lived, you know, yeah. or will ever be. Inflation, all that. He was, and the wisdom, and the, the wisdom that was sought out from other kingdoms. And that was Old Testament. He did not have the Holy Spirit living inside of him. And all he said was, I want to know your thoughts and your ways, God. And God said, okay. And I love the part where he says, because I need to lead this great people of yours. When we fall in love with the people around us and we go, God, I need a word of wisdom for these people. I need revelation and how to impact this world. He's going to give it to us. And we are living on this side of the cross with the Holy Spirit inside of us, intimately speaking to us every day, God's thoughts, God's purposes, God's hearts. We don't really have an excuse 
to not be and not live that out, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or wealth. Right. That's right. Yeah. Right. And seek first my kingdom and all of this will be added to you. That's the picture of it. That, God, I love you more than I love a position, a title, Riches and wealth, which position and title, you know, all of that. Yeah, I want to know your heart. And he goes, I can trust you with the rest because you love my heart. So I love the idea. So back to Hebrews 4. God's rest is a place of knowing who we are. Okay, not striving. Again, it's the picture of the promised land, which is a picture of this side of the cross. We're not striving for position or identity. We're not working to enter his presence. Our work is to know him more. Our striving is to be, you know, just to know him more. But there's rest in that. There's, there's rest in that. And, and I, this, this verse always comes to mind. I didn't write this one down either. I don't know what I was thinking. Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman, you know, he has this conversation with her and then the disciples come back with lunch and he says, no, I'm not, no, I'm good, thanks. I have food to eat you know nothing about. And they're like, where did you get food? And he says, it's to do my father's will. And I just love that because when we are, when you're confident in who he has made you to be and what he's calling you and purposing you to do, there is nourishment, there is soul satisfaction in doing and being who he says you are. I'm your kid, and from that, I do this, right? There's such a satisfaction in that, um, and nothing else can satisfy that. And then so down in Hebrews, sorry, back to Hebrews 4. I just had to throw that in. Um, Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13 says this, the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. So when you're you're in his presence and you're trying to figure out, am I hearing from God? Am I not? Let his word, and we talked about this last week. How do you know you're hearing from God? Does it line up with the word? I don't know if it does. Well, don't throw out what you do know for what you don't know. But Allow his word to come in and expose your attitudes, your desires, the things that might be um, the, are wrong, wrong attitudes, wrong desires, wrong beliefs. Let that word do that precision surgery, you know, and, dis- and, and help you see what's you, what's of God, so that you can know his will for your life and you can speak clearly into the lives of somebody else. Let him examine your motivations. That was the word. Uh, motivations. What are my motivations for, for doing this, for praying this way? You know, and let him love you and speak to your identity. There's, I don't know, this is, this is my bent for the past few years. I'm convinced that if people, if we could just know how much God loves us and live out of that place, we would be so transformed. We wouldn't live in fear and shame. Um, we would be able to serve others fearlessly because I'm loved. 
I'm not rejected. I'm not in shame. I can love freely from that. So again, identity is not found in what you do or the gifts you flow in. Um, you know, and whenever I, I minister to try to impress, it's pretty bad. Um, but when I'm just faithful over what God's given me and I just share it, you know, whether that's a word of wisdom in a service or just loving somebody uh, in our community, I'm just, I just do it in me and I show up in my flip-flops accidentally and I just, you know, just try to do it the best I can. I'm fed and filled and others are too. But when I try to impress, it, it's kind of boring actually for all of us. And I just want to say this wrapping up, uh, Ephesians 2.10, jot it down or turn there. Ephesians 2.10, actually starting back in verse 8, says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the thing, good things we have done, so none of us, so yeah, none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So you're God's kid. He loves you. That's your identity. You do have good works to do. But when we're, when we're not wrapped up in being something, this, well, I guess, like a persona of what we think. I see people do this, you know, I'm called to be a pastor. It's like, I, I don't know that everybody is. And, you know, what, we, what can happen is we love God, we want to serve God, and we can box in what that should look like. Well, then I have to be a pastor or I have to be a worship leader or whatever. Nobody says I have to be the janitor as a good Christian to serve God. Not everybody. Some good ones do. But when you're wrapped up in the being and the performing of the gift you're not going to be able to just do the next right thing. Where this is saying, you good works were prepared for you to do in advance. So just do the next right best thing. Just go out and do the next best thing. The, a ne- a, another good thing. You know, is it good? Is it loving? Is it sharing Christ with somebody? Do that. Don't worry about what that looks like. And don't worry about that persona of the gifts. Does that make some sense? And I don't know. I feel like you guys wouldn't get into that trap anyway, but, and I guess here's what, what I wrote down, you know, when we're so wrapped up in being, you know, quote, I'm the healer, I must not let anything ruin my anointing, or I must only pray for sick people that are sick, or I'm the prophetic person, we can miss the small opportunities just to smile at the mom in the grocery store whose kids are obviously having a meltdown. My kids cried, Jordan cried for an entire shopping trip once. And Duncan came home and said, yeah, all the ski teams saw you at the store today. And I was like, but that was fun for them because it was fun for me. I was like, I am finishing this. Sorry to everybody over there. So smile at the mom who looks like she's having a hard day. Say hi to the person walking by in the street. I'm to be afraid of them because they look homeless. I don't know. Just say hi. Just be nice. Offer to pray for the person sharing their struggles with you. Just does that make sense? I don't know. It it's, can be this simple. And I think we get wrapped up in it's got to look a certain way or we got to do it, you know, just so. It's like just love people and offer what you have. And I love, you know, I blunder through so much. But, you know, when I'm talking to somebody and it just feels like a total blunder. Did I, I told you guys Sunday about trying to minister to one of my clients. Not really minister, but encourage. You know, he's got a business in town and he was telling me some of the struggles and I was just like, I'm on the phone, bawling, 
trying not to let him know I'm bawling, but he's probably like, what is wrong with her? I'm like, God wants you to have the best contracts and the best clients, and you just need to believe for that. Oh. I'm sure that went well. I just, but that's me. I cry, so I don't know. But we can, we can take those small opportunities just to encourage and equip the people around us. So um, let's get our identity straight, huh? Healthy identity helps us share God's heart in healthy ways. No ulterior motives, weird motivations, weird um, need for recognition. It's not why we're doing this. We're doing it because God loved us and we want to love the world well. Okay. The other thing in some of this is we can't operate in these gifts from manipulation, getting wanting to... John mentioned this a couple, a while ago, um, it's, and it's so true. You know, witchcraft is manipulation. And so if we're trying to pray, God, make somebody do something, it's control, sorry, witchcraft is control. But we're trying to pray that way, um, God's not going to, God's not, God doesn't make people do stuff. He will love you, he will draw you, but um, can't pray that God will make your boss give you a raise. He's, anyway. Um, so no manipulation, speculation and suspicion are not gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, discernment is, yeah, but, but right, speculation and suspicion aren't gifts of the Holy Spirit, so we don't get to speak that into people's lives, um, and we can talk about what discernment is another time, but healthy identity, knowing God, what does it produce? It produces honor for others, it produces peace and security, um, and it's just, you know, we need to come to a place where we know God's love. And then we know our value and we can love others as he loves us. Sound good? All right. Uh, we'll pray and then you guys can shoot some questions if you have them. Father God, you are so good. And we do, I just pray that we would know more and more and more how good you are. I don't think we have even the smallest grasp, God. So I just thank you. I pray that you, you would um, just reveal your love and your heart to us more and more, God. And just keep awakening us to your voice speaking to us, bringing people to our attention to pray for, bringing people to our attention as we're out and about in life to, to be kind to, to say an encouraging word to. Um, just, God, just to show them your love in the simplest of ways. So, God, I just thank you continuing to work on us, teach us, and grow us. God, thank you for, I don't know why you chose to work through us, God, but you did. So give us, just help us and help us to do this well. Thank you, God. Amen.